Hi, welcome to the Daiku Podcast. I'm Gary Snow. Today, I welcome two of the best-known bloggers within the indie OSR space. WF Smith, also known as Prismatic Wasteland, whose blog goes by the same name. WF also won an any last year in the category of Best Supplement for Barkeep on the Borderland, along with many contributors to the adventure setting. Also joining us from Malaysia is Zedek Shu, who has earned admiration for writing many adventure settings, blog posts, and has the distinction of winning the inaugural overall gold bloggy last year for D&D's obsession with taxonomy. Winning also came with the duties of coordinating this year's bloggies, which I have no doubt has been a ton of work. Uh, welcome to both of you. Thanks for having Hi. me. And so first off, I got to commend you both for trying to highlight the importance of blogs within the indie OSR space. And second of all, second off, Zedek, how are you holding up? Because it is a ton of work. I can see that it is a ton of work. Do you almost wish you hadn't won last year? Um, <laughs> well, I, I shot myself in the foot for sort of wanting to make it uh, stretching it out for longer. Because I think, uh, Warren, when you organized the last one, it was like a, a week, right? Yeah, that, yeah I think it was right. Uh, and I thought, um, you know, like I'm, I was late in organizing it last year. So it's like, okay, why don't to, to cut myself some slack, I'll spend January and stagger the stuff. Uh, that just meant that I'm throughout January, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of dealing with this. So, <laughs> um, it's been, it's been a interesting, I'm not, I'm not really good at organizing. So this has been a challenge. I think you've been doing a, a fabulous job. So uh, hats off to you. Uh, I think it's uh, been really good. And in fact, I think uh, having it throughout the month, I know it's a lot of extra work, but uh, I do think it uh, allows more eyeballs to get on all the great blogs that have been listed. Um, but before we get into the, the brackets and the structure of the bloggies, Maybe, uh, why don't we just talk, go down memory lane and go, how did, how did both of you get involved in uh, this little hobby of ours? Uh, maybe, uh, WF, you can start us off. Sure. Um, so I started playing role-playing games, more specifically D&D, whenever I started college back in 2012 um, and played D&D, you know, 3.5 and then eventually 5th edition, whenever that came out um, for the majority of kind of my hobby experience. And then it was around the pandemic that I started looking at kind of uh, stranger stuff. The first thing that was like demonstrably OSR that I saw was like on free RPG day, right after, you know, pandemic had hit. I think free RPG day was that month. I saw like a free copy of UVG by uh, Luca Rajic. And that's kind of the, my introduction. And then after that, I just started diving into the rabbit hole headfirst. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you certainly did dive in uh, <laughs> first uh, as far as uh, you, you got into it very quickly. So that's great. And, and Zedek? Um, I I started playing, I, I can't actually remember when I started playing, but this was around like fifth edition when it was launched and um, a bunch of friends got together, hey, you know, like this, this thing. Um, so my, one of my friends said, oh, I used to play that in college. Do you guys want to try? So yeah. And um, I mean, off of that, I got really into sort of like the more uh, indie slash forge sort of uh, RPGs. So I, um, a very formative game that I I don't like anymore, but it was really it played a big uh, role. Was like Burning Wheel and mm -hmm. those kinds of games. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, then you, you you go down that rabbit hole and then you get disillusioned by by, by the kind of uh, sort of what that game is or those kind of games are. Um, and blogs were really instrumental for me to see how it could be a creative uh, end of a uh, for me personally, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a writer uh, in my day job, I guess, or you that used to be my day job, and <clears throat> and it was not until I found the OSR blogs, uh, specifically False Machine, uh, so Patrick Stewart, um, and there is a specific uh, post in particular. Uh, I can't remember the title off my head, but it was a it was a read through of uh, a, a sort of academic work of uh, sort of mainland Southeast Asia sort of um, uh, area of the world called Zomia, uh, a sort of um, where where sort of borders are porous and um, the the high like the cultures in the highlands are quite. Um, slipped through the cracks of sort of nation states, and and so it was it was a it was a nerd's read through of like a sort of academic slash political text, um, sort of reading it to to mine it for like RPG gameable material, um, and yeah, I mean because I'm I'm kind of from the same part of the world, so Southeast Asia, and then so there there's a confluence of various things in that single post um a sort of relationship to my own context um how you can sort of use really uh deep and in, in sort of po political or or sort of serious matter and and make it and and, and make a game or sort of make it gameable um, because previously, you know, like you get into, you know, I, I'm, I was a closet nerd for a long while. Um, but there is, there is an element of nerd culture that tends to sort of stay, at least in, in where I'm from, uh, tends to stay in like, uh, or really, really big fans of like D and D and sort of the cultures around D and D or the, uh, you know, like, uh, sort of surface level fantasy slash sci-fi fandoms um and discovering the sort of osr blogs really married sort of like my my sort of nerd inclinations with the other inclinations i had which were sort of like, like more academic or artistic in nature so this is a long convoluted <laughs> way of saying that uh, there was this blog post and out of this blog post, I wrote my first, uh, I was inspired to write gaming material. And my first adventure, uh, Lauren Song of The Bachelor, was actually written as a series of blog posts. Um, well, and you bring up an important point about, uh, you know, the importance of blogs to the indie OSR space, because often it's the testing ground for ideas of, uh, and, and rules and mechanics, and maybe WF, uh, even, can you reflect upon that as far as like why blogs are so important to the OSR and indie space? Oh yeah, I, I think they're absolutely essential and they kind of give the OSR and the post-OSR its character. 
Um, especially because I think one of the defining things and one of the most attractive things about the OSR is not the veneration of Gygax and Arneson. It's really the DIY nature of it all. And blogs kind of facilitate that um, in, a, in a, you know, a few ways, but one of which is it, it is just kind of a drafting board. It's a place to you know, exercise your thoughts. You have an idea and a low stakes way to do it is just put it on a blog. And um, mm-hmm. the other way is it's just way lower effort. <clears throat> Whenever you're first starting out, you know, you're looking at all these, you know, large books and stuff. Like you might look at Patrick Stewart's like adventures and stuff. It's like, oh man, how could I possibly create that? But if you look at one of his blog posts, like I could probably write a blog post. And that's kind of, you know, baby's first step. You start writing some blog posts and then before you know it, you've written a full adventure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a kind of, I do feel like blogs are, because they're so, like, it's you writing a blog. Um, and blogs come from this cult, like, slowly vanishing culture of, like, basically sort of keeping a diary online. Um, and how it how it works with the OSR blogosphere, at least the, the parts of it that I know, is that people tend to be really um, personal uh, in the se- in the sense of like um, they get really into who they are as people and sort of marrying it with this um, with the the game part of themselves. So, for example, I mean, I'm sort of jumping ahead, but uh, some of our nominations, like one of the, I think Joel Hines is uh, one of his posts nominated this year, or sort of a finalist this year, is drawing on like, oh, uh, his his previous sort of employment as a park ranger. Um, and they're, they're, they're also like, um, I think... Uh, Richard Richard Gray, as well. Like I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure about the name. Um, but uh, there there is a yeah. It's it's a his name his blog is Richard's Dystopian Pokerverse. Uh, but I know that he's a he's a he's an academic by uh, trade, and so he writes a lot about architectural history. And it's that those sort of marrying of like very specific sort of um, fields of study or interests and sort of games that really sort of generate all these things. Um, Yeah. And then uh, WF, when you, uh, like you said, you kind of dove into this, uh, you've had uh, some like your blog's been great. People have been following it and you, you won the any and, uh, but, when did when did you have this idea for a bloggy kind of uh, competition and to highlight? I know it's the competition part is like not that important. Like it's a celebration of blogs, right? But uh, when did you have the first idea to do it? Oh, man, I don't think there was like a single moment that I could point to. Um, I'm friends with a lot of bloggers, and Zedek, Zedek is one of them, and um, just kind of talk all the time off of blogs, just you know, and mostly in discords and things. Um, and I, I can't remember even if it was my idea or not, if it was just something that people kind of started bubbling, like, man, I wish there was some type of like award show for, you know, because it might've been around the time of the innies, not 2023, but 2022, whenever we're talking about, you know, that everything's always product focused in terms of RPG awards. Um, but blogs are kind of lost to the ether and it's kind of like you read it when it comes out. And if you don't, you know, you kind of lose it unless it gets published in something like knock. 
Um, and so just mm-hmm. the idea of it was really always a celebration more than ever a competition. Um, oh, actually, I can point to the moment that inspired it. There was back whenever Twitter was a going concern and not just a dying cesspool and was still called Twitter. Um, there was like a competition on Twitter it was like the worst tweets of the year. And it was like the same thing. It was a bracket situation where people voted for the worst tweets. Um, and I thought it was really fun, especially kind of, you know, it goes through the rounds and you see the worst tweets, you know, continue to, to, to win. And I was like, I should, I could just copy this format. Um, but for blogs. Ah, so that's where the format comes from. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So, the, and what I always, you know, I'm, I'm a sports liker, uh, which is kind of somewhat unusual. So I, the, the bracket, uh, structure appeals to me anyway, but, um, but the actual, I pretty much copied that worst tweets of 2022 or whatever the, that Twitter thread was. Um, so that's kind of the origin, I guess. Well, very cool. And then uh, just to kind of, uh, I'll put, put some stuff on the screen here. So we've got uh, Zedek's uh, Tumblr account, and this is kind of the the home of where you can find information on the bloggies. Um, each post has the winners and the more brackets and that kind of thing. And I, I think acceptance speeches, which are often funny, <laughs> well-written as well, uh, even last year's uh, bloggy winners did. So I'll put links and all this uh, in the show notes in the description, but I just wanted to let people know that this is where you can find information about the bloggies and the brackets and the winners and that kind of stuff that before we get into uh, highlighting maybe some of the, the stuff that we're doing and the structure of it. So uh, I'm also now going to switch over to the bloggies in general. And first of all, awesome art. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, so I I just, uh, I'm really bad at managing stuff. So I know that I don't bring anything to the table in that regard. So <laughs> I thought just to add something, it's like, Hey, maybe I can make some art for it. So this, these are sort of uh, Lino cut illustrations. Uh, I've I've been trying to pick the pick the skill up. So I've been carving these these sort of things um, on sort of pieces of Lino. So yeah, they're prints basically, um, and uh, it's a rabbit and dragon because 2023 was the year of the rabbit and 2024 is the year of the dragon. So, well, that's perfect. And I know a lot of people uh, love it. And uh, so when are we going to see it on a t-shirt? <laughs> um, it's well, it, in to me, the, the sort of uh, these, these designs specifically are free for anybody to use. So like if people want to put it on a t-shirt, go ahead. Like it's, but it's don't sell it. Don't, don't make money off this. That's that's not the intention. But <laughs> it is a great, it it is a great design. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would love to see it either on stickers or uh, maybe we need to set up a nonprofit to uh, to make the money from t-shirt sales or something like that. Because you know you've got all this spare time after doing the bloggies that you can just do this kind of stuff. Uh, is that a... <laughs> spare time? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, so like one of the, if I may talk a bit more about the art, I, I just wanted to to sort of like recognize, uh, so I wanted to make it special. So made some finalist pins, pins, I mean, they're dig- digital basically, but um, finalist pins, bronze and silver medals and for the gold and for 
the goal winners in each category, I'm, I'm making a, a, a Lino design specifically based on the sort of winning blog post. Um, so yeah, I mean like prizes, you know, yeah. I mean, prizes make more people sort of like look at the thing, I guess. And I think, aren't there actually prizes as well? Um, like uh, there's, I think, a print or an art piece that was yeah, yeah. part of So I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be sending them a sort of physical sort of print of. I think there, I thought there was another one that it was actually like, it looked like, uh, I'm going to switch back here. Yeah, that's one that Marsha is going to get, I believe. Yeah, so that's the plate. That's the thing you use to print the yeah, that makes sense. Oh, it's fabulous. Beautiful work. Yeah. Um, and so in the bloggies, and we'll, we talked a little bit briefly about uh, the brackets, and you can see all 64 blog posts in there. And so you've got the, uh, the four different categories, which is uh, reviews, advice, uh, gameable, and the theory. And uh, so WF, last year when you were thinking about the bloggies, um, was that just a natural uh, evolution of the categories, or did you kind of keep stumbling upon it as you were developing them? I knew there needed to be four categories just for the bracket structure to work well. Um, but initially, I was thinking, because um, kind of, again, copying that one Twitter, they had like kind of divisions and things like that. And so I was like, oh, maybe you could, you know, break up the gameable thing by like mechanics and adventures. But that ended up being just way too much kind of categorization. And, and the the further you look into a, a category, the more it deteriorates and breaks down and shows that it's kind of <laughs> fake. So, you know, re reviews, gamble, all of these are kind of fuzzily done. And like, there are a lot of posts and it's kind of the hardest part about hosting is like, which category does this go in? So, you know, people could probably like, hey, this is more advice than it is, you know, so-and-so, but um, they're all kind of rough, but largely they're intended to be umbrella categories and to pick up as much things as possible. I think that most blog posts probably fall into one of these categories, um, but not equally either. There's there's usually far fewer reviews. Um, there's mm. way more gameable stuff. Um, there's way more theory stuff. Um, advice is maybe kind of the, the middle ground. Um, but so so it, it's kind of, it's easier to get in as a review uh, because there's, there's less of it. Um, but I just needed a, some sort of broad categorization, but like everything, uh, you know, taxonomy is fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the most distinctive, like the, the only sort of posts which are clearly what category they are in is probably the reviews. And even then that's, um, there's some sort of fuzziness, um, We've got a really good slate of reviews this year, though, I think. Yeah, I thought it was reviews. Last year, all of them were great. Um, I, I think even I wrote one that one third, so obviously they're good. <laughs> but uh, um, this one has like just a lot of really cool ones. And a lot of them are not your typical, you know, hey, I'm just reviewing this product and saying, you know, buy or no buy. And it's like, you know, almost rises to the level of journalism for some of them. Um, so, yeah, mm -hmm. I thought that was a really strong year for reviews. I absolutely love it when it's like a one page dungeon and it gets a review that's like eight pages, <laughs> those types of things. But uh, um, let's, uh, and so week one, uh, which is already completed. Uh, so it's the first week of January and it was in the theory category. And uh, I'm just gonna 
break down uh, some of the brackets. So we had uh, 16 in the theory category bracket. And then the intention is that each one of those categories squares off in the final round in, on January the 31st. So we're going to hype it like a prize fight uh, on January 31st. All the categories go head to head. And then that is the winner of it. So uh, we'll, we're going to maybe look through some of the categories. And we're not going to delve too into the a lot of the details, but we're going to uh, just talk about the names of them. So in the top bracket of the theory category, so this is the top eight. Uh, I'll just read them through. Just to, We want to recognize people that have put the effort in. So uh, being a problem. Playable orcs at the limits of humanity. And then the next one is axes of game design. The genres the OSR can't do. And then RPG transcript analysis, critical role. And then critical glog, base resolution mechanics, my favorite problems, role play is folk art, and then art, product, board games, and mouse ritter. That one actually, I... I and I'll be honest, I have not read all the blogs, but that one kind of uh, piqued my interest. I was going to go check that out before we started recording, but I just didn't. Um, the next, the bottom eight are Toolbox Design, Mario versus Actraiser, and Final Fantasy versus Zelda, types of advancement in RPGs, posters, posers, and post-OSRs. I am assuming that's what that one is. Uh, Psychosis is badly written in tabletop games. Rules Allied and its consequences, modes of high-level play, OSR rules families, and moralizing and manipulation in tabletop role-playing games. And uh, we have the winner of that category being OSR rules families. Uh, maybe WF, you can kick off, or Zedek, if you want to jump in uh, just to talk a little bit about this one. Um, I, I can start, I guess, uh, in terms of like sort of like choosing uh, overall like what the the sort of the sixteen represent in the sort of choosing the finalists, the sixty four. Um, so, uh, like, I went through a process of nominations, so open nominations from some from people just like canvassing people. Hey, do you, which blog post did you love last year? Can you submit one and I'll put it on the list? Um, and then there was a sort of like whittling down of of the hundreds, I, uh, the 150 posts, nominations I got. Um, and a lot of these were nominated uh, several times. Um, but they were, at the end of the day, it's a lot of like sort of like, it comes down to me sort of choosing a lot of the finalists uh, based on sort of like this process and, uh, a lot of the posts were chosen both for like sort of excellence, but also diversity. Um, so some in there are just like, I cannot say anything more than that. They're just really good sort of like deep dives into a specific topic. Um, some are like sort of like, uh, polemics about like, for example, uh, mental health and how it's portrayed in games. Um, uh, I believe that the the role play uh, is full cut sort of post was uh, uh, Luca um reaction to the um, 
the OGL stuff that was going on with uh, D&D and Wizards of the Coast. So there, there's also a topicality. Um, yeah, uh, playable arcs, which is a uh, majestic fly whisk. That's a really, that's for me. That's the final word on our orcs are racist as a subject and as a discourse. Um, yeah, but there, so like, there's a huge range of what these posts are, what they're good at, um, and um, why they were, and and how important they were in the last year. Cool. Yeah. And sorry, I skipped over that. That's probably an important factor because you did have the nomination period where people could put forward blogs. Um, and uh, then it's nice to know the process. And so I suppose without like a formal structure, you're organizing it. That's a, there's a bit of a gray areas to how the selections are made, but it's nice to know that there's like, obviously it's not drawing names out of a hat. There's been some thought and, uh, and diligence that have been put into uh, picking the categories. And I, by all accounts, it looks like it's been good. And, uh, and going back to uh, the winner of the, uh, this was the theory uh, category, was OSR rules families. And I found this one interesting. I remember this came up, uh, oh, I think it might've come out in September, possibly. I, I might be, a, no, December, uh, mm. it came out. Um, so we we included December posts because uh, the previous bloggies didn't include the December posts. That's right. Well, okay. It's so basically just to, to give the organizer a month to prepare for the bloggies. You know, yeah. December, and that's kind of the cutoff. That way, they can, you know, use the month of December to go through. Because I read whenever I was doing the nominations, read like 250 blog posts to try to narrow it down to 64, which is just a lot of work. <laughs> Um, and to at least have a month to do that was was helpful. But yeah, this post from from Marsha is great, and it's also it's classic. So Marsha is the blogger at Traverse Fantasy, um, and she is one of the more analytical bloggers I think in the scene. Um, she doesn't really consider herself um, OSR or post OSR, um, but she is kind of really influential and is kind of a newer blogger, similar to myself. I think we both started, you know, post COVID, or maybe she started a little before that. Um, but what this does is kind of an a, a breakdown. I'm not really sure how she does it kind of like statistically, mathematically, but she basically found clusters in types of newer and older OSR games, um, which is just, it's in, and visualizes it as well. Um, and then also kind of discusses what these clusters mean. Um, and it, it's also kind of elucidating in terms of figuring out, oh, well, that's why I like this type of game. Cause I, I do kind of tend to gravitate into the, the old school Baroque is what she, she coined it here. Um, and in fact, um, she saw an early draft of my own system, Prismatic Wasteland, and it's graphed on here as well. Um, it's kind of that one of the corners of the old school Baroque. Um, but yeah, it's it did a ton of work. I remember her kind of doing the research for it for months leading mm. up to this, but it's an excellent <clears throat> post. And it was kind of foundational for my own post that was in this category, which was the, the posters, posers, and, and post OSRs. But this was a great post. Mm. I, actually, that like, just... Um, jumping on to what you just said, um, there there was also a sort of conscious decision I know in my mind to sort of like, how do I reflect the idea that the, one of the biggest reasons why the blogosphere is so important to tabletop game design in general, I, I'm, I'm not just limiting it to the OSR because I think this is a, applicable across the space, is that there's a, there's a sense of continuity 
uh, which um, is uh, facilitated by the form of the blog, as opposed to how discourse generally happens now on sort of discords or sort of forums or, 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 or God forbid, social media, where the memory uh, there is no institutional memory essentially, so you can't have you keep having the same conversations, um, and really like personally for me one of the reasons to do the bloggies is to sort of like get more people blogging because that's the only way we remember things uh and we have a scene that generates uh sort of critical sort of threads of design and thinking uh that get referred to so um i i don't think uh wf's posts and uh marsha's posts are the only sort of like posts in the sort of finalists they're actually talking to each other or in conversation with uh, with each other um there was one um i'm remembering uh i think ava islam's blog is also nominated for a post and that's a post that explicitly says oh based on so and so's uh i think it's ben lawrence's blog that's conversations right. about uh spotlighting um, so it's it it is a representative of like conversations that are happening and continuing, uh, which I think are really important to sort of point out and the importance of yeah. And it's uh, one of those things that uh, you know, like on Reddit, if you go into a subreddit and you like you see the same questions coming up over and mm -hmm. over and over, and uh, how nice it is to just go here's a link to this blog post. Yeah, because yeah, like yeah. it kind of answers the the question. Um, I mean, we can we can talk we can talk. Uh, I mean, this thing happened quite recently. I, last month, the the issue the the topic of uh, orcs races or aren't they came up again on Twitter, right? I think, and you keep having that every year, and at least uh, as a person from a sort of racialized background, um, uh, not not specifically. The, the orcs visibly blackness or whatever but um it's irritating so i'm so like one of the pleasures for for me organizing this was this was majestic fly whisks um uh post about the subject uh because it's it's such a final um it's such a well-argued sort of final um final word on the subject and yeah i mean like it's only on blogs that we can have this level of discourse um, because it's just not possible on on other sort of formats of like online conversation. And, and I find the comments kind of slows the pace too. Uh, like you really have to invest in making a comment on most blog posts and it's not just like the rapid fire that you might find on Twitter and, and it's hard to track. So. I do appreciate that about uh, the blogs in general. Um, and uh, going to uh, the silver, which was a critical glog based resolution mechanic. So a glog is a rule set, uh, I believe that's been kicking around for quite a while. And mm -hmm. this is uh, another uh, kind of update to it or analysis of it. So this uh, this post is specifically Arnold. So Ar 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 Arnold K is the person behind Goblin Punch, and he he was doing sort of 
again, it's an analysis, sort of data-driven analysis of like how various different dice mechanics work in various different games and why you would use certain things over other things and what do they sort of objectively do statistically, uh, which I thought was an interesting um, one, this post was nominated several times, so so it was like, um, it's not just me wiping, but also it's like a really important piece of uh, research, essentially, uh, that's useful for game designers. Um, but I mean, a Glog and sort of Goblin Punch is also an example of how the blogosphere works, uh, because there were, there were a slew of nominations from Glog-inspired uh, things. Because I think Glog or uh, Goblin Laws of Gaming, I believe is what that term means, is um, a, a sort of like system that's, that's, that arose from Goblin Punch and people have just run with it. So there are many blogs that only blog about Glog stuff. And we've had several nominations. I think there was one in the sort of gameable category, which, which is going on right now. So there's this, all this pollination happening. <clears throat> cool. And then the bronze, as you mentioned, uh, works as uh, in racism um, linked together. And uh, you mentioned uh, being in your mind the final word. And so we can direct people to this so that we don't have the discourse in that keeps happening. Yeah, I, I shouldn't fanboy too much about this. <laughs> no, it's it's an excellent post. Majestic Flywisk has um, maybe three, but at least two just banger posts on, yeah. that are both nominated for the bloggers this year. Um, He's one, got two one, nominations this year. Um, okay, yeah. I, I so didn't this... know there was a third. The other was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, let's uh, go back to our category. So we just went through theory. And uh, now we are in the gameable category. So we're at the very tail end. Are we at, like, we're in the final final of uh, gameable. And uh, so we've yep. got, uh, and so gameable is like, hey, you can like read this and bring it right to your table in some capacity mm -hmm. or some fashion. And I'll just quickly read through it. Flex space, uh, generating elevation in a hex crawl, the autumn of summers, mimics, Another take on demi-humans as social constructs, the Apocalypse Archive, point crawling character creation, and how to be erased. And then to the bottom eight, dungeon skirmishing, Zelda-style NPC personalities, gulch, down the road, local situation design, laws of the land, meaningful terrain via in-fiction limitations and conditions, false equivalent exchange, Deeper catacombs and indivisible decisions. Glag, am I reading that right? And so um, you can already, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and so you can see already you, the the chain of who won. Uh, so it went to, to the laws of the land, meaningful terrain via fiction in limited conditions, and on the other bracket, point calling character creation. And uh, I do have a, a little bit of those to to bring up onto the stage. So I'm going to bring up flex space first by papers and pencils. Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to 
pop in and just give a quick overview of it? Um, Warren, do you want to say anything about Flexspace? I, th I think it was kind of about ma mazes, right? And uh, where you yeah. you go into a maze and it's samey space, right? And it's like you yeah. don't want to, <laughs> you do not want to start like mapping a maze or anything like that. So this was a way to put some character into a maze. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's uh, through basically through random table count table roles to en encourage like, hey, this is what you're finding and that kind of thing. Essentially, it's a sort of fully fledged uh, set of procedures on yeah. how to run, uh, basically running a la labyrinth in, in tabletop is a lost cause because um, yeah, it's, it's a sort of verbal medium um, and labyrinths, uh, it just doesn't, doesn't work very well. So this is just sort of set procedures where you can play a game where 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 characters are in the imagine imagine space of a labyrinth uh, or a maze, uh, but also sort of like subsystems and uh, tables and generators on how to make this uh, playable at the table uh, and not have it be boring. And uh, this is another. So this is sort of a model of like what the category generally tends to be, uh, which is a, a sort of a thing, a thing that you can sort of graft into a game uh, that's useful that you could actually use. Um, yeah, so it's it's got it's got play examples, it's got random tables, generators, and sort of like a list of like if. Uh, of procedures of like this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. So yeah, uh, it's a it's really a lot of work for. Um, I mean, some people charge money for basically this blog post, you know, uh, and that's what's really great about the blogging scene is that um, you get all this uh, really well thought out, really well designed stuff for. Um, yeah, for free, essentially. And I, I love uh, where they talk about uh, the uh, enticement of a maze. Ooh, a maze! I want to go in there. <laughs> like it's just one of those things that, like, as a as a player, you go, "Oh, that's a labyrinth. I want to go in there." But it's very difficult for GMs, and so this is a good solution to that. Uh, and Gulch. Um, so. Gold, oh, Gulch is kind of jumping off what, yeah. what Zedek said is the gameable category, what I think of it as is here, here are blog posts you can take directly from the blog and put to your table. Um, mm -hmm. And Gulch is probably, um, so this was my favorite post of the year for any blog, um, but it's probably the prime example in that it's a full adventure. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. it fully illustrated with maps and everything. Um, one thing that's maybe sets it apart somewhat from other most blogs are kind of that fantasy standard DD sort of setting this is more modern horror um which uh ty mindstorm the author of this blog um really excels at he recently released um a horror adventure earlier this year um but this is this is itself an adventure and, and so often you hear people say you know stop fiddling with systems and, and start writing adventures um however you know fiddling with systems is very fun uh Writing an adventure is a lot of work and is really hard. And this is a cohesive one. 
it looks nice. Like you're scrolling through it and it's like, this could be, you print out this blog, like just print it straight to PDF. And that is a published adventure. It mm -hmm. looks really good. Mm -hmm. It, the writing is really cohesive. Um, just the information design is really nice as well. Um, I believe Ty did the, the cartography, um, for the city. Um, yeah, I, I don't have enough nice things to say about this blog post, but I think it really emphasizes the potential of blog posts. They don't just have to be kind of a throwaway thought, although they totally can, and that's great. They could also be a high polished, fully playable adventure. And that's what Mindstorm brought. Yeah. I mean, it's this Gulch is a full, it's the, it's the er starting town for like any sort of modern sort of game that you, uh, so the horror, urban fantasy, just like contemporary, uh, contemporary adventure set in a real life contemporary setting. Yeah. Um, the, like the gameable category, uh, really encompasses posts of, uh, like I see a sort of two broad prongs. So one are like flux space, which is like really presenting to you a full fledged subsystem. And then the other is what Gulch may be more of, which is like a kind of game content, like, right. Yeah. It's, it's the same sort of ideas. Like it could be just a random table, something you just pull and just directly mm -hmm. kind of put in your game, but not mechanically just yeah. kind of the actual yeah, I think yeah. Uh, like yeah. mimic. So, like another nomin, nomin, like another finalist in the bracket was uh, mimics from uh, uh, Waltz of One, and yeah, that's just a that's just a bestiary of various kinds of like creatures which are kind of mimics, uh, but really just like uh, really creative and really. Um, a lot of the posts in the category are also really poetic. So I really love, like my favorite post, maybe of the whole sort of, uh, the whole slate this year was uh, how to be erased, which was in this category. Um, and it comes from a blog, uh, Straits of Anion. Um, so it's it's a sort of setting, the, the posts generally tend to be like uh, from a specific setting inspired by the Pacific Northwest, I, I think. And yeah, it's, it's just a really, really cool post. It's, it's really lovely to read. Um, it's got such cool ideas expressed in such a, um, such a wonderful way, like some of the best writing really. Uh, and I, and I say, and I don't say this as, oh, it's good writing for RPGs. It's, good writing, you know, so, yeah. Cool. And we're going to move up to Rise of Comas, point crawling character creation. So uh, just well, I read through this earlier and it was uh, very much, you know, like the traditional like traveler, uh, you know, the idea that your character doesn't come from your mind, but it comes through uh, the creation process. And this was cool because it actually comes from the map. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also, so it's, it's, it's the outdoor survival map from, you know, original D&D told you, hey, mm -hmm. you're going to do a hex crawl, just pull out this separate board game. And this is, I believe, Hodag's art. But if you look at the, you know, placement of the rivers and the mountains, it is identical to the classic outdoor survival board game map, which is just kind of a neat little callback that Josh did. Um, cool. Yeah, this is just another cool method. He also did the hex crawl character creation as well, both kind of a similar idea. 
and I love this because they talk about, you know, you get away from the uh, three page backstory of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, self-indulging uh, backstory writing. Um, but it's also not, uh, you know, Jeff, the, the human fighter either. I think uh, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Jr., <laughs> the mm -hmm. human fighter. Um, and then uh, the final one in the category, uh, and the winner might be known by the time I get this published, the winner might be known. So here's the top four, but uh, this was The Laws of the Land, Meaningful Terrain via In Fiction Limits and Conditions. Yeah, this one was also really great. Um, basically making sort of memorable and gameable sort of geography. Uh, so really geography as a character, so in, in a way, this I, I the way I read this was like it's character creation, but for spaces, and like all the final all, all the sort of like final round posts for this for gameables this year were to do with space, uh, which I which I think is it, it, it says says something because this is a sort of verbal medium, and we are constantly trying to find new ways to approach space and 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 align sort of like what everybody's like imagining in their heads with uh, other people at the table. And yeah, so all the posts generally are about making space meaningful, dealing with space. Um, like Gulch is literally about a specific place. So I definitely saw that as a trend versus like last year, there were a lot of posts about time, about calendars, about, um, you know, procedures mm. to make t tracking time matter about seasons. Um, random encounters and all yeah. things that kind of deal with making time important. And this year, yeah, I definitely saw kind mm. of trend towards how do we make space a character. Yeah. And this post also kind of reminded me of, um, so you mentioned kind of false machine getting you into the hobby early on. Um, I have been, am very behind on false machine, but luckily he recently published like the first 10 years of blogs as a, like a hardbound book. And um, a lot of his posts talk about like creating darkness and like cave systems as a character and thinking of as a character mm -hmm. and this post is very much like how do we make the the terrain itself a character which is just um it's a cool yeah. way of thinking of it and it's, this is a cool way to do it it's a good post and and what you what you pointed out like previously the thing about like well, last year was about time and this year was about space again illustrates the sort of continuity of what where the a community conversation is is so that's really interesting um, and with that, I can't help but notice, like, there's a lot of people that use Blogger. And I, I keep going, is it just a matter of time before we end up in a Google Plus situation where uh, they say, we're shutting it down and all, all these folks have to transfer their uh, posts to some other format and the work and effort that that would require and all the lost comments. And uh, so as blog aficionados what do you recommend for people if they're thinking about getting into blogging what uh, what they should they be doing <laughs> do you want to say anything sure um so yeah i i also worry about blogger and i've thought about that all the time i think it's going to be um you know kind of a burning of the library of alexandria for um for rpgs because so much thought is, is stored on these kind of old blog formats and i do think just the way the internet works, the inshitification of it all, you know, mm. it's not going to be around forever. Um, it is, however, a really good starting place. And, you know, blogs don't always have to be permanent. But in terms of probably what I would recommend, it depends on your own 
you know, sophistication around technology. If you understand, like, I, I understand nothing first off. So if, if you're more like my colleague Mindstorm, um, the blog we looked at earlier, his blog is beautiful and it's a blot. Um, I do think you might have to pay for something, but it's it's very customizable and you kind of build it yourself. Um, I believe that um, Ian Banana Brown Beast also does kind of a blot blog mm-hmm. and, and you know, you can really customize it and you have a lot more control and ownership over it. Um, for myself, I use Squarespace. I'm probably one of the few bloggers who does that. Um, and it's partially because I'm so technologically inept um, and also because I wanted to eventually sell stuff, which I now do on my, my blog has a little shop tab, um, which not everybody you know wants or needs. So that's not a free option. So I don't really recommend that. Um, in terms of the, the most free options, um, Tumblr also, which is Zedek is, is probably one of the few Tumblr yeah. bloggers, but I mean, that's free and is maybe less likely to get totally erased than well, blogger. I mean- so a point a point about the sort of like um, threat of erasure or the impermanence of the internet. I mean, this is the landscape we live in, and the I mean, capitalist corporate internet. This is just the way it is. But um, Tumblr is an interesting example because uh, a few years ago, Tumblr almost shut down, and but still around. So I think it's about it's really about you want a platform where you can consistently put out stuff to the world. I mean, I, I, my, my partner is, uh, my partner Sharon is a, is an artist and we, we talk occasionally about the need to have your process be visible, not for an audience, but for yourself. Um, so in a way it's sort of a public diarying or, or sort of like, um, public archiving of your own process. And what's important there is one, the doing it as a, uh, um, what's the word? Sorry, this, I'm I'm blanking. Um, Doing it as a habit or or a practice, uh, but also being mindful that, you know, it's not a permanent record. So like, if you want to keep the thing, just have a, Word doc or a file on your computer, or whatever. And, you know, your hard drive is not going to last forever, also. So, yeah, just how do you file away information is really up to you. And even you know, even talking about like your own technical ability uh, on my own website, I use WordPress, mm. and uh, I use a Divi theme, which is very easy. So I'll, I'll throw throw some kudos to Divi if you ever have to make a website use the Divi theme, which does cost money. However, I go, but what if my server goes down and I, or I can't back up, like my own technical ineptitude could really kill my own blog. So, you know, I, here I am worrying about, you know, blogger going down, but my own, uh, failability, uh, could actually cause it as well. So there's no probably perfect answer to this. You just gotta, figure it out but it does scare me that so many uh, good blog posts that like we were talking about with subreddits like oh here's the answer just here's the link could be dead links at some point mm. i mean it's i mean we can go sort of like into a sort of more conceptual areas of this idea uh, like i come from a context where uh, books go out of print pretty pretty quickly because publishing runs are not very large uh so yeah i mean like a lot of Malaysian books from 
like 20 years ago are out of print and impossible to find. So as, as with dead trees, also with uh, digital. So, I mean, keeping that stuff safe, yeah, I should, I should probably be copy pasting all the stuff I'm writing on Google Docs into like a file on my computer, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, but I do find that just being aware of the impermanence of things online is really important. And the, and the time indeed of, um, how quickly conversations happen. So blogs, I love because they're they're relatively uh, plodding compared to social media. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's move into the advice category, which is going to start after uh, this week. Uh, so we've got our, our bracket of 16, and I'll just once again kind of just run through them. Uh, how to handle Parlay as an OSR. GM pointers, live text games only role initiative action mysteries modular ecology ultimate animist mechanic everything is a reaction game mastering like a park ranger you talked about joel's post there uh and osr approach to spotlight so that's the uh top eight and the bottom eight is dungeon 23 and quick question did you participate in dungeon 23 or is that just like too much I predicted everybody would tap out by like week three of January last year, but some people actually finished it. Yeah, some people are still going. I got on. I got up until March, I think. Uh, yeah, but I didn't see the Dungeon Twenty Four <laughs> uh, kick it around this year. But uh, maybe some people, <laughs> like you said, continued uh, it. There is a. I think. I think. Um... Chris Chris McDowell is doing uh, Planet Twenty Four, like a Galaxy, right? yeah, Galaxy Twenty Four, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a it's is that but with, with sort of space stuff. It's a it's a cool use for day planners. I like I agree. I, I was like I'm never going to be able to, to do this, but like I do have all mm -hmm. these day planners that are only good for one year and that I never use and just end up tossing. It's like you know it could just be a notebook for for sketching some dungeon <laughs> rooms. So uh, just a neat idea. I understand why it just yeah. cut off a white white wildfire. I know uh, it's been joked about, so it's not that I'm coming up with this, but uh, that there's probably some marketers that are going like, why did we have this giant blip <laughs> <laughs> of day planners being sold uh, for 2023? And it's like out of the ordinary, but they'll be looking at that for years to come going, how do we recreate that? Um, the storyteller technique, ransacking the room, Karen crash course, an example of FKR near diceless combat with cosmic Aurori. Reinventing the Wilderness, Part 1, Introduction, Dungeon Design, Process and Keys, and the D&D in my head in only six load-bearing numbers. So that was, uh, those. any kind of jump out at you that you wanted to talk about? Because we I don't have the pages up of any of them, but is there any that, that you talked about, Joel's, mm -hmm. Joel Hines, Park Ranger um, one? Ransacking the Room, uh, I think that... Is, is this come when is this uh episode coming out sorry i'm gonna try to get it out today which is saturday okay. january the 13th um because you know timeliness i'm gonna try to get it out as soon as possible well cool i don't, I don't want to say things and be immediately uh proven wrong because that this way people are also in the dark um ransacking the room i think is going to go far um it's another one for mindstorm um who does kind of a lot of sort of gameable stuff but this is just kind of a method kind of some advice on how to handle searching in games. Mm. And it goes really well with some other stuff that he's done on 
um, stealth mechanics and kind of, you know, great for like more like espionage in the dungeon. Um, mm -hmm. I thought, I thought that was some great advice. I mean, th this, this, this category and the gameable category have a lot of overlap in my mind. Um, so a lot of posts here could have also been in the previous bracket. Uh, and ransacking the room was was in my mind one of these. Uh, but yeah, it, it is a great post. I like just heuristically also uh, beyond the specific nitty gritty of like, sort of the way it mechanically works. It's just a neat way to remember how to how to handle this kind of thing that comes up in games. And I think what the how how the posts were put in this bracket was that uh, in my mind, that's what, that's the criteria they sort of occupied. They sort of like, hey, you know this thing that keeps coming up in games? Here's a way to handle that. And here's a way to remember. Uh, so a lot of these things are like really intuitive stuff. Like, for example, you were talking about uh, Dungeon 20, 23. Like it's there uh, partly because it was such a, I mean, it was newsworthy, quote unquote, but also it's such a great, and uh intuitive idea that yeah it's really useful to add to your like bag of like tools um one other actually, I'd, I'd like to oh, sorry. sorry go ahead uh sorry just one one other i'd like to just mention kind of you know we talked about dungeon 23 and i think that's going to advance and i'm always interested in the ones that are finalists but don't go on because there's every one of these mm. 64 are so good and mm, storyteller mm. technique is is you know has a tough road ahead it may win but Dungeon 23 is a tough one, but Storytelling from Possum Creek Games is also a really great piece, um, especially for yeah, writers. Yeah. So a lot of advice is for GMs for running games. This is more advice, I think, for the tabletop writer, which most mm -hmm. bloggers are. Um, and it's something that has made me kind of rethink how I write, especially like mechanical stuff, because I am um, come from a legal background and have sometimes a tendency of just writing in, um, you know, kind of very boring not even at the level of prose, more like an operator's manual sometimes. Um, and this one is just talking about treating your game text, your mechanical writing, as if it were a diegetic artifact, like mm. in the game world, being written by an actual character with a perspective. And it's just a, a unique way of doing it. And I can definitely see it in Possum Creek's actual writing. Yeah, um, that's a, like the, the thesis of so, such a simple idea, but it really goes far. Um, like, it occurs to me, like you, you, you were mentioning your sort of legal background and uh, Hull Breach, which is a sort of third party supplement for Mothership uh, that was put together by Ian Newsom, has in one of its things, like literally uh, sort of gameable material in the form of like sort of legal briefs. Yeah, breach of contract. Uh, I was actually a... a um a reviewer on that because he wanted some like he was okay, he's like okay. he, he sends me he's like could you like look at this from like a, a legal perspective and does it does it seem does it seem legit not as an actual legal document don't use these if you're yeah. you know if you're actually going <laughs> yeah, to space yeah. but like Big does disclaimer it seem... on the screen <laughs> yeah. this is not but, legal advice i mean it, it's it's really it's such a rich way to sort of build a mood and build a piece of writing and build a like you talk about immersion i suppose but it, it this is i mean it's you're holding the it's 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 really the uh the fulfillment and the um the sort of the the the, the 
the final evolution of the idea that begins as like, oh, uh, just give you play handouts. Like, what if you wrote an entire game as a player handout? Uh, wh where is the difference between the player at the table and uh, the the character in game? You know that kind of stuff. So I just it's just incredibly evocative and like really gets you going. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And little plug on my own, I've got my uh, Bugbusters shirt on game that I'm developing, and it's all set in an employee training manual, like an onboarding <laughs> manual. That's great. Yeah, more oh, more text like this. Yeah. Because I mean, rules rules text can be really boring to read. So, okay, and then the final category of review, uh, and we talked about this. This was probably being one of the lighter ones. So, like, if you're trying to win a, uh, a bloggy, this is the <laughs> maybe not the this year. Not, yeah, <laughs> this, this year it's stout. Um, so we've got our sixteen, and I'll uh, once again read through. So, and empty Africa. Pathfinder 2E's the Muang, oh, sorry, Muangi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Expanse and the strange career of Black Atlanticism. Uh, what Hullbreach teaches us. Grave Trespass, Jim Henson's Labyrinth, the adventure game. The First Rumor Tables, part two. Caverns of Thracia or Caverns of, oh, help me out, guys. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah, uh, Quas Quetan. Okay, thank you. Uh, I was waiting for one of these to be tripped up on. I was just, and I mostly navigated it, but I knew I was going to run into problems at some point. Uh, standing up for D&D's Gen X 2E, part one. System Crawl, Break, RPG. Dungeon Crawls in Cinema, and Reasonable Reviews. That's the top eight. And then the bottom eight, Deep Dive, is that AI state or AJ state? I think it's like A, a state. state. A state. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's a it's a symbol. It's like a divider yeah. symbol. It's a that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I read Cloud Empress, Plagiarism in Unconquered, which I know got a lot of eyeballs. Uh, Rod, Real, and Fist, the review. Pedantic Wasteland, Vampire Cruise. Uh, Dragon Magazine, Player Advice Collection Overview, uh, Spire, The Monstrosity of Empire, The necess Necessity of Violence, and Microblog, Children's Books and Tabletop Games. Any kind of jump out uh, to you? Is things you want to throw in? Well, the, f the first one in the bracket is a banger. Um, again, this is Majestic Fly Whisk. Uh, and yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really really subtle and and really serious review of the again I don't know how to pronounce it properly Muangi Expanse, which is if I'm not mistaken the part of the Pathfinder sort of campaign setting which is inspired by Africa. So it it is. I mean, the, the review itself just is so far ranging and considers things like, oh, what, why, why is this supplement uh, the way it is? What do you get when you have books that are published with uh, this kind of commission structure where you get um, a whole slew of writers? And uh, it does acknowledge that uh, Paizo hired, hired people of color from uh, those, those from 
um, sort of ethnic backgrounds or cultural backgrounds that are rooted in a, like from the African diaspora. Um, but but also discusses that these writers are diaspora uh, African writers, so African American, and then it goes a bit to the it goes into the history of like uh, Black Atlanticism, which is the which is Black America's relationship to the source land. Uh, so yeah, it just it is just a really like you read it and you learn so much, uh, and yeah, it's it's. All this sort of like all of this um, really well considered information and and and, and criticism comes from uh, a review about a Pathfinder supplement, you know. So it's like it's like treating the form with the seriousness that uh, we want it to have, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely like there's kind of two heavyweights in this category. And, and that's one, that's probably maybe one of my favorite posts of, of the year. Um, the other sort of heavyweight in the review category this year is um, almost, this is the one I remember saying, it almost rose, rose to the level of journalism. So an empty Africa rises to the level of maybe like a, this could be published in an actual academic, you know, review. Mm. Um, un, the plagiarism and unconquered um, post from Traverse Fantasy Um is just a really deep dive and, and something that I think there had been whispers of, of like, hey, this seems really similar to UVG. Hey, this seems really similar to Vaults of Varn. Um, but this lays it out in such a way that, um, I mean, it was kind of unquestionable that, that, you know, words and paragraphs were directly lifted and just, you know, a couple words changed here and there. And it's really, um, it's something mm -hmm. that because we're such a small community, things like that, often and almost always are going to fly under the radar. Um, and so it takes somebody with kind of the dogged tenacity of Marsha um, to want to do this and also to have the capacity to do it. Um, mm. But I thought that it was, it was healthy also for the hobby because, you know, seeing this, maybe writers who are tempted to be like, you know, it's, it's a small scene. Nobody's ever going to know if I just pull a couple of paragraphs, I pull a couple of random results are going mm. to be, you know, maybe less willing and, and more willing to, more importantly, write their own things. Um, I think that's the most important thing. It's not necessarily that the plagiarism is um, is terrible because you're, you're probably not like directly monetarily impacting people, though Though perhaps you are. Um, it's more just, you know, you have your own voice and you're really only hurting yourself whenever you plagiarize. Yeah. But I thought it was a great book, great piece. It's, it's like, take the... you, you've decided to make work in this, in this space, in this medium, take yourself seriously. That's 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 essentially the the effect, yeah, of like seeing serious criticism about the about books. So like, I think this is why I find the like reviews actually really important, and, and oftentimes they they do fall short, and they 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 are often sort of like product reviews. But for for a lot of the, the entries in the in the bracket. Um, they, they go more like uh, the Spire one, the review of Spire is a sort of comparative literature uh, review. So it takes, um, it sort of draws parallels between, um, uh, I think it's RF Kuang's Necessity of Violence, so it's a, a, a alternate history sort of book, uh, alternate history novel, and it compares the texts to uh, Spire, the Spire RPG. Um, yeah, uh, just elevating 
you know, RPG, RPGs are an art form. They're not just products, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I've said that many times and uh, it, I know, is evolving, right? Uh, do you see, because I think both of you are on the front lines of seeing like the theory and how that theory then eventually becomes applied to games. Uh, do you see any kind of trends uh, in the uh, indie OSR, post OSR space as far as where things are heading? I see lots of trends. So, so part of why I, I say the word post OSR is because I think that the the idea of it being in any way cohesive as a movement is kind of over. And in lots of ways, the people who were inspired by the OSR or inspired by things that were inspired by the OSR are already taking different trajectories. I think there, um, there are things you can point to as kind of clusters, um, which Marsha's post kind of points out that there are kind of these diverging clusters as they're the kind of Baroque games, similar to like Aaron or the things that I'm most interested in that are um, not rules heavy, but are very, um, very nuanced and kind of detailed or like the rules light stuff, stuff like what Nature May puts out, um, you know, uh, Into the Odd is, is kind of the perfect example of something that's just really stripped down to rules light. Um, Cairn is kind of taking a life of its own, and there's a lot of things being built around um, Cairn, which itself was kind of an Into the Odd. Um, so there, there's lots of kind of trends, but I think it's mostly divergence. I think that looking back, whenever we're, whenever I'm on this podcast again in 2030, 2034, we can look back and say, here were the things that were happening that became these solid clusters. But right now, we're all kind of in the zygote stage and we're still sort of forming. Trends. Um, I'm not sure whether this is really a trend, but I think there's been um, for for maybe a year or two now, no, for some time, like like this thing. And, and I know I, I'm a big believer in this. It's like the, the idea of like, don't write systems, write adventures. Uh, obviously, I'm a... <sighs> I'm 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 biased because that's where my love is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like there, there is this idea that you know you're, and also the the sort of merging of this, like what is the distinction between a, a system and an adventure? Anyway, you know. So I think there is. I don't. I, maybe I'm disproving myself, but um, more people are writing adventures. It seems to me. Uh, but more people are being okay with with doing that uh, and sort of treating it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I know personally, I have like a, a sort of insecurity about calling what I do uh, right making games. Uh, but I think as as times progress, like I will be able to sort of own that more. Even though, like, so like, I won't say, oh, I don't make games. Actually, I just write adventures. But you know, I'm by writing adventures, by writing these sort of like imagined spaces that are designed to put players, uh, to give players a, a, a sort of like imaginative ex experience. I am making a game. Um, and like, so just going back to the, some of the, I, I believe there is a, there is a, there's a post about the, Free Creek, Creek Spill revolution in the sort of uh, finalists. Uh, I think that that's what uh, that's the sort of place or the trend that I'm most interested in is like being part of like um, not necessarily rules light, uh, but more 
uh, expensive of what uh, a game is. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely yeah. seeing more kind of barriers and, and things that you would kind of think of as like a, a wall being broken down. So like between system and adventure, I think a lot more people mm. who are writing something that you consider a system is starting to get be embedded more and more with system. Like think of mm. the Dolmenwood Kickstarter where now it's like this system is tailor-made for this. Um, think of the the labyrinth adventure, which there's a review of the labyrinth in the reviews category. Mm. Where is it an adventure? Is it a system? It's kind of mm. both, and so that barrier is being broken down. At the same time, mm. because mm -hmm. of sort of the OSR, um, at least the, some of the more problematic standard barriers being brought down, and also the death mm. of sort of story games as its own thing. These two things mm. are a lot of ways converging. I think there's a lot of designers and writers who are interested in things that are were categorized as OSR and were categorized as story games, which Previously, we were like, you know, oil and water, but now people are realizing it's actually more like chocolate and peanut butter. And they actually, some of these ideas go great together. Um, and so I, I, that's kind of a hopeful trend that I see. And I, I hope to see it continue as people realizing these boundaries are fake. Let's push through them and let's get things yeah. up. I, I, the, the way, like, I, I think in an analogy and like I've used, I think I've, I've, I've thought about this analogy before, but we're at a point where, um, like designers or sort of TTRBG people are no longer sort of arguing the equivalent of like what's good grammar, or what is grammar and what is not grammar and what is the what are the rules of language and they're actually in the point where okay, everybody's starting to write actual stories, uh, which is really cool. Cool. All all those are uh, good points. Uh, I agree with that, and I love the fact that. You know, at one point it was like, you know, if you look way back of like, you know, the whole idea of D20 and the D20 modern, and it was like, you need one system and like to jam it in there. But I think people are way more open to like learning nuances of those unique tailor-made systems. I love FKR myself. I, I love that space and the exploration of that. And I just mm -hmm. had... Uh, uh, Jason Cordova on uh, to talk about Brindlewood Bay and there's like, some really good design uh, in that. So love the hobby. It's like truly is an art form and I appreciate both of you uh, bringing your uh, wisdom and knowledge to talk about all these awesome blog posts and uh, and for uh, WF for you starting it, Zedek for you continuing and carrying on the mantle. I know it's a ton of work, a ton. <laughs> A ton of work and uh so the poor winner hope <laughs> i hope you're ready of uh to do that and maybe they'll get some help uh next year or maybe the community can kind of rally and kind of help support the process but uh before we go let's uh talk about uh stuff that you're doing on your own i know uh wf you got your prismatic wasteland uh blog and uh just to go through there. I know, and just on a personal note of uh, the, uh, if I scroll down long enough, the, uh, where is it? I think last year you had that one about uh, abilities. Maybe I went right. I, I think it might've been a recent one um, about like ability. Uh, oh, defense, in defensive ability scores. I love that one. And I, you know, it's one of those things I downloaded errant and I went, Oh, cool art. And I like the procedures and I'll get, I'll look back upon it. And, uh, then I saw the the difficulty with the roll under thing, and I went, "Oh, that is probably the most elegant. It takes the into the odd, and then adds the difficulty to it, which was always one of my complaints about into the odd. Not that there's anything bad with into the odd, but it just like it made me go, huh? If I were to be developing a game, if I wasn't already far down a road or a path, 
that's a really good system. So I appreciated that uh, that post that really highlighted for me. Uh, and on top of that, so you've got your blog, um, and you, as I mentioned, won uh, an any for barkeep on the Borderlands. So congratulations, as did, as did Zedek. Uh, I, I got so all of the every contributor. So we had I think thirty all in writers, artists, everybody. Um, and I was allowed to buy extra medals for the innies. They said, you know, the first one's complimentary, the rest you can pay for. Um, and so I bought one for every single contributor and sent them all across the world. Um, so Zedek is also uh, a, a gold innie winner for his I have, a, I have a medal thanks to thanks to you. So Well, thanks to you. You know, this, this adventure would not have been possible if it was just me. It is a huge crew and it's as, as a book, as an adventure, I think it has kind of a blogging spirit because all of these little pubs are in conversation. Like Zedek has these like uh, kind of semi-racist dwarves that also kind of pop up in one of Gus's bars. Um, so they're all in conversation. It's very kind of blog-esque as an adventure, but I'm, I'm really proud of it and proud of the success it had last year. And if you live under a rock and you don't know about it, can you just give us the, the quick pitch on what, the, what it is? Sure. Um, so Barkeep on the Borderlands is... Um, it's a pub crawl. So it's not a dungeon crawl. Instead, you're crawling through the streets of a city kind of in the midst of Mardi Gras-like celebrations called the Raves of Chaos. Um, and you're traveling to all these different bars. Kind of the meta plot is that, the, you know, the monarch is sick and there's the antidote is hidden among some of these bars. They're also, you know, you could find the ingredients, make your own antidote. Um, but that's just kind of the meta plot. If you want to use it totally as a full adventure, you can also, because there are 20 pubs in it that are just perfect for your taverns, you can just pluck a single one out um, like I know, for instance, Zedek recently wrote about plucking his own and just using just that pub, which is like a dance club, um, as its own kind of one-shot adventure. So it has kind of two uses there. Mm. <clears throat> and this is like uh, a who's who in the uh, indie game space right here, all the contributors to it. How did you arrange that? Like, did you like, uh, uh, like, I mean, how long of a timeline did you have for making this and uh, like putting together all these amazing pieces and all these folks are very busy. Yeah. From, from starting the idea to, um, having, sending it to the printer, at least the printer ready files. Um, it probably took me about two years, but, um, most of the work was in the last year in terms of the team. Um, almost all the writers are just friends of mine who I know mostly through blogging. Uh, I think every single one of the writers is a blogger. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the artists, you know, some are friends um, and some are just people who I admired their work from afar and was had a chance to work with. I love commissioning art. Very cool. And then uh, is, is that it? Well, I should say, WF, what do you got planned? Like, what's next for you? Um, a lot. Uh, so I, I always have a few things on kind of the burner that I work on slowly. Um, some of my next stuff are, are Pokemon dungeon crawlers. So I'm working on into the Oddish and Vile Plume Mountain, which if you like Pokemon, those are very good puns. If you don't, that's meaningless <laughs> to you. Um, <laughs> but I'm also kind of always working on my own system, Prismatic Wasteland. It's going to be a post-apocalyptic kind of whimsical fantasy, science fantasy system. Very cool. And, and Zedek, I know you're inundated right now with uh, bloggy stuff, but what do you got cooking? Um, yeah, so I've been... I've got... I'm late on a bunch of commission work. Yeah, so I've um, I wrote an adventure for uh, the Die RPG. Uh, I'm finishing an adventure for uh, David Blandy's uh, Ecomorphos. Um, yeah, so a lot of little adventures here and there. 
um, writing, trying to finish finally the sequel to Lauren Song. Uh, yeah, and just um, like I, I want to point out um, that WF has a thing for the month of January, which is about um, a challenge to bloggers about writing resolution mechanics. And that's really like sort of, um, sort of plugged into or sort of like has been sparing me and like imagining like I know I, I said earlier I write adventures I don't write systems but uh yeah I want to I want to write a system I've got an idea and I want to pursue that so I guess yeah, that's please do. yeah we've had a ton of entries and they, they run the gamut from things that are like super serious and people are definitely going to use in their actual games to like here's how to do a resolution system with a, a child's basketball hoop and you know here's the way with shot glasses and so like it's some are like really silly and fun and some are just like, wow, this is a really neat mechanic that no other game has done. So it is a little challenge I did mostly to promote the bloggies during this month. So um, yeah, it's my new year's resolution mechanic challenge. Cool. And you know what? Uh, I have to say uh, I'm, I've been very inspired by all the great work that everybody from the bloggies and all the entries and uh, your both your work. And I am committing to make you my first blog post. So if you want to follow me, I have got my own blog at uh, uh, .com, uh but the uh, I usually just put uh, my videos on here. So if you uh, want to follow me along at uh, dikagames.com, feel free to, to do that. I'm actually going to write something instead of just doing videos. Yeah. I'm going to do it. it. I'm going to do it. But... Uh, uh, WF Zedek, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about blogs and why they're so important uh, to the the culture of uh, tabletop role playing games. And uh, you know, best of luck, and thank you for just doing everything that you're doing for blogs. Thanks for having me. Thank you.